Bat Shalom. I've entitled uh, the parasha, gave it, gave it uh, a Rabbi Glenn title too, called The Blind Seer. This morning's parasha is entitled Balak, takes us from Numbers 22 through 25.9. Balak is the name of the king of Moab, who attempted to hire uh, Balaam, the seer, to come and curse Israel. It had become evident that God was giving Israel victory after victory over the nations adjacent to the land of Canaan. Well, fearing the same fate for his own country, Balak sends a delegation to Balaam with an offer to pay him handsomely if he will just come and curse Israel. Balaam was neither a good prophet nor a non-prophet. Thank you. At, <laughs> at first, he declines, but when the offer is repeated and the financial incentive is increased, he is seduced by the prospect of great riches. His no became a yes. Adonai allows him to go with Balak's representatives, but sternly warns him only to speak the words God will give him. What happens next is amazing. On Balaam's journey to meet up with Balak, this is truly one of the most humorous and yet bizarre events recorded in Scripture. An angel of the Lord appears, but only Balaam's donkey can see him. The seer doesn't see. He's oblivious to the peril that confronts him. And the donkey keeps trying to move out of the angel's path, which Balaam mistakes as a rebellious streak in the animal. And he strikes her twice. Finally, the angel has them blocked in a narrow place from which there is no turning aside. And all the donkey can do is lie down. Balaam is now furious and begins mercilessly beating the donkey, at which point the donkey opens its mouth and talks to him, probably not in Eddie Murphy's voice. <laughs> the donkey says, what have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And it doesn't even seem to register with Balaam that his donkey is speaking to him in fluent Aramaic. It doesn't register because, apparently, because he responds and he's talking to the donkey. Finally, Adonai opens Balaam's eyes to see the powerful and threatening angel who then admonishes him that his donkey saved his tuchus. The warning is repeated that the seer is only to speak the words that Adonai gives him. At last, they arrive at the meeting place overlooking the camp of Israel, but things don't go the way King Balak had hoped. Every time Balaam opens his mouth, instead of a curse, a blessing comes out. And Balak is furious in fact, one of those blessings found in chapter 24 proved to be a great messianic prophecy. 
And verse 5 has even been made a liturgical song in our synagogues to this day. Ma tovu, how lovely are your encampments, O Israel. Balaam tells Balak that, well, he can only speak what the Lord puts in his mouth. But it's a pretense. Balaam was a venal and greedy man. Meanwhile, as the blessings keep coming instead of curses, Balak is just beside himself with anger. When that strategy falls apart, Balaam suggests that there's another way. Perhaps the best way to get Israel cursed would be to entice the Israelis to sin against Adonai, thus inviting his judgment on themselves. And so in chapter 25, the Moabites of Peor send their most beautiful girls to entice the Israeli men to come to a sacrifice. Now, their sacrifices were highly sexual in nature. Sadly, it worked. Israel engaged in pagan religious rituals and fornication, and God sent a plague. It was only through the zeal of Pinchas, the grandson of Aaron, putting Cosby and Zimri, the two who had flaunted their illicit relationship, putting them to death, that the plague was stopped, but not before 24,000 people of Israel died. For his treachery, Balaam is recorded in Scripture with disgrace, not only here, but also in Deuteronomy, in Joshua, and in the New Covenant books of 2 Peter and Jude. Balaam will be remembered as an example of greed and deception. Let me share five lessons we can take away from this parasha, Balak. Number one, don't let money be your God. Money is certainly useful, but it's the love of money that is the root of all sorts of evil. And what good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? Balaam bartered his soul for some silver and gold. Now think about the contrast between that and Messiah Yeshua, who, tempted by Satan, who offered him all the kingdoms of the world and all their wealth, did not yield even for a moment. And because of his perfect faithfulness, we have a righteous, risen Messiah and Redeemer, and he has secured our eternity with God. Two, Balak wanted Israel cursed, but God has blessed the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In a covenant, when you oppose or try to harm those whom God has blessed, you are asking for a cosmic level curse upon yourself. Those who argue that God is done with Israel, and sadly there are many who argue that, are going to find themselves painfully on the wrong side of history. Three, God doesn't waffle on his decisions. He doesn't break agreements. He made a covenant to bless the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He keeps his agreements. You should imitate him. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Honor your word every time. Four, it took a talking donkey to get Balaam's attention. Hopefully the scriptures are sufficient to have yours. Amen? Five, 
Despite the fact that the main character is Balaam, the parasha is entitled Balak, because again, Balaam is to be considered uh, infamous. That wicked seer is enshrined in scripture for all eternity in infamy. So how do you want to be remembered? Think that through and act accordingly. The seer who was blind to the judgment awaiting him is an example, a type of those who today make a show of religion, who even quote from scripture, but are in it for gain. It's frightening to consider that God used Balaam to accomplish good, but Balaam himself would be forever accursed. Brothers and sisters, don't sell your soul for a little gold and silver.